In today's episode, we're speaking to Joe Burns. Joe is the founder of The Next Gen Millionaires. He is like me, very passionate about money, somebody who was earning six figures in his corporate career, and he's now gone on to become um, a money mindset expert like myself. He helps to train innovators, industry disruptors to take command of their money in their lives so they can be, be they can better exert power in the decision making, control in their pocketbooks and leadership in their field. He's an amazing entrepreneur. Let's find out in this Money Talkie segment how we can change attitudes of money. Let's find out. Money Mindset with Girl Khan podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame and blast through your money blocks so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance. In this podcast, we will talk about energy tools and mindset strategies that will help you to understand and change your relationship with money, whether you're in a job, profession or working on your passion. Change your relationship with money to change your life. I'm your host, Gul Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. It's Gul Khan, your money mindset expert. And guess what? We have the amazing, the wonderful, the fantabulous, and my partner in crime, somebody who does something as who's passionate about something as I am about money, of course, Joe Burns. Welcome, Joe. Thanks, Gul. Thanks for having me on here. I'm like super excited to be here today. Like, like you, right? I love talking about money because, like, I, I, we can, like, you must be like some soul sister somewhere else, right? Like, there's not yeah. very many people I've met in the world who like to talk about money as much as I do, and I think you were one of them. <laughs> yeah, I think we're two peas in a pod. I think we are so <laughs> brothers and sisters. You know, we met just we were just across the pond, really. Yep. <laughs> I'm super excited. You can see the 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 energy here because we are both really passionate about, da -da -da, of course, money. And you're right, Joe. Not many people do like talking about it. And least of all, admit that they are passionate about it, like you and I. And this yeah. is why I'm so excited to be speaking to you today, because today's topic, guys, is attitudes of money. Now, both Joe and I deal with relationship money and how to, you know, how to build that relationship money in a different way. And this is why I'm so excited, because I'm going to learn something different today as well, because I've not heard of the attitude towards money. I've, I've, my book is all about laws of money, and I talk about it different, in a different way. But I'm excited to learn about this, Joe. So tell us. Where did you come up with the concept of attitudes of money? Um, it was a, a collaboration between me and my wife. Like I'm bad with names, like really bad. I'm just like, I just like teaching, right? right. <laughs> so I started talking about stuff and she's like, we got to name this, whatever you're talking about. I'm like, okay. And at first we started calling like the mindset of money. And I'm like, I don't like that. That's like horrible name. That's not a bad name, but I just didn't click with me. Right. It's got to resonate with the inside of you. Um, so I started thinking, I'm like, you know, if we want to change something, I always remember my mom telling me, you know, when I was growing up, like when I had a bad attitude, she's like, you better change your attitude. Mm. And it just kind of stuck. And as I was thinking about it, I'm like, you know, what happens if we took this approach to money as kind of like our attitudes, how we're showing up for it. Mm. And that's kind of where it started to, you know, kind of that little seed of, of beginning for what the attitudes end up, ended up being and kind of, you know, how I can relate it to people. Right. Cause I think I don't know if you heard your mom telling you that as you grow, were oh, growing yeah. up. Oh, My yeah, parents yeah. all the time like, you know, change your attitude because yeah. it sucks. I'm like, okay, but what does that mean, right? They never taught me what that means. It's just like what I was doing was not what I needed to be doing. So I just want to give people a little bit of, you know, change your attitude around it. And then, you know, we can start talking about how that can happen. Yeah. First, we got to kind of be aware that our attitude is probably not the best it should be. Right. So let's change it. 
Yep. And I love the topic. And, and as I, my mother, I think definitely, you know, drummed it into me, you know, that you have to speak properly. You had to deal with things properly and your attitude's not right. And now that I'm a mother, I tell you, I do the same thing with my kids. <laughs> so like, <laughs> What's your attitude, girl? <laughs> I, I go into mommy mode. So um, that's why I'm really excited about it. And I think you're absolutely right. We do need to see what our attitudes are towards money and different types of money. So this is why I think this will be a very, very exciting conversation for me as well as the listeners. So start off, uh, off with this. And what's, you know, what sort of attitudes do people have around money? Um, I think where we look at it, like attitudes, right, and showing up, it's really seeing, you know, like you were talking, you talked about laws and everybody's, especially in the money world, is always talking a lot about like, a lot of like, here's what to do with your money. Here's what to, how you can be with your money. Mm. Um, even like, here are the laws of money, mm. but how do we interact with it? Mm. Right. How does, how does, how do we show up for it? Mm. How does it show up for us? Mm. Right. And as we start looking at that, we can start changing really how small things, right. With how we show up. And then we start seeing results on the other end. So uh, when you look at attitudes, um, I haven't broken down into really 10 kind of categories. Okay. I mean, some of them definitely bleed over into where there's a lot of people talk about like wealth and abundance and, that, and that's mm. cool. I love those conversations. Mm. I think they're over talked about. And I think people are, are kind of flocking to some of those because it feels good. But mm. in some of those conversations, there's not enough action that's taking place in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so we got to be kind of careful if we just like go all in one, but there is the attitude of abundance, right? There is yeah, abundance everywhere. So that's cool. Right. Yeah. If we can't see that. That's a great place to start. Um, but generally, I don't start people there because everybody kind of has already had that conversation around abundance. Mm. They're like, oh, you know, I'm, a, I'm abundant. I hear that all the time. I have this abundant mindset. I'm like, really? Because you're kind of struggling right now and you can't see a lot of opportunities. I love what you just said. <laughs> you know, I love what you just said because I, I, you know, when I, in my workshops, I call people out. I'm like, okay, so how do you really feel about money? Oh, I think money is a you know, source of freedom. And I think money is wonderful. I'm like, really? Um, then tell me how much money is in your bank account. And I just call it out as it is, because if that's what you truly felt, because that's been, then you, if that was your core feeling towards money, guess what? Money would show up in your bank account, black and white. Money doesn't have discrimination. It doesn't, it can't lie to you. If you have the attitude towards money, money would be in your bank account. If you're struggling with money, then know for a fact that your words are saying one thing, but your internal energy is different. And I love what you just said, because absolutely people are talking about abundance and whatever, but how do you show up for money? This is where... As I was mentioning before, off the camera, I created something called the money avatar for this very reason. Okay, how does money show up for you? How do you show up for money and how do you treat it? And this is that's this is a conversation you need to have before you can actually change your attitude towards money. You know, you need to work on that first. If if I'm if I know the no, the way I'm meeting Joe and I think Joe's X, Y, Z, he's this and he's that and whatever. And it's such a negative mindset around you. How am I going to show up for you? And how will you respond back to me? On the other hand, if I think Joe's amazing, he's my kindred spirit, he's my brother from another mother kind of an attitude, right? How am I going to turn up? Completely different, right? This is so, yeah. this is, this is wonderful. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I 100% agree with all that, right? It's, it's, it's how we show up. And if we can start changing the way we show up, then we start seeing, new opportunities. We yeah. start seeing new possibilities. We start yes. seeing different ways of doing things and solving problems that before we couldn't, mm. right? Um, before we're just showing up and being like, oh, I have to pay the bills, right? And then that pay the bills energy gets put into what we're trying to create. Yeah. And it doesn't help, right? Because then it's kind of this depressed attitude, this depressed energy that gets kind of focused into what we're creating. Mm-hmm. And then we have depressed results. Yeah. Right. Yep. So if we can pull that back and, and again, I, I don't want to, you know, tell people you need to like fake your mind out. Right. You don't have to like tell lies. That's, that's not what I'm saying, but we have to show up with that energy of like, Hey, this is possible. I'm happy about this. Let's see how we show up. 
mm. and start just being there for yourself so that money can be there for yourself as well. Right. Kind Absolutely. of like you said, like if your bank account says zero, then do you have a, a really a, an abundance mindset? You know, there, you got to start thinking like what's stopping you from really having the true abundance you want. So yeah. Part of the attitude I talk about that I don't talk about abundance a lot, although we just talked about a lot more here. Um, where I really focus on is is really what I call the attitude of growth, the attitude of consistency, um, boundaries, command, and accomplishment. Right? Those are it, kind of the five I, I like to focus on because they're kind of like the, the foundation for all the rest. I think I completely agree. So let's take them each each by ten. Let's work on the first one. So what would be the first attitude that you would talk about? The, the attitude so, of growth. Yeah, the attitude of growth is where I usually start. And mm. um, I love it because it allows us to start thinking about where we're at and where we want to go. Okay. And that's really what the attitude of growth is like. If we're making you know, $100,000 in our business now, how do we scale to 500000 How do we scale to a million? If okay. we're not even hitting 100000 right? Um, in the early entrepreneur people and, and people who are just trying to make life happen, um, sometimes a hundred thousand feels like a lot. Like that feels like a big milestone. Yeah, that's a holy um, grail actually. If on, that, that on is, it's like... <laughs> it really is. And I was told all the, you know, growing up, it's like, that's the promise line. Once you hit a hundred thousand dollars, then everything's going to be okay. And I'm mm-hmm. like, um, it's really not right. And if you go back and listen no. to my story from uh, the other day, yeah, right. It's not like I hit that and I was still as broke as could be like mm. we're struggling and, and it wasn't the case. And it's very but, common by the way, because so I speak to a lot of people and I know that people who are only hundred K are still very broke. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, as time goes on, you know, that, that number is going to shift a bit, but mm. for whatever reason in, in the psychologically psycho psychology we have of money, it's like a hundred thousand is like where everything's going to just be better. I'm like, no, it doesn't really matter. That's not how that works. Right. So if we start looking like the attitude of growth, I like to think of it. Um, I'm not a huge like flower guy. Right. I, I planted things as I was growing up. We had a, a family garden, but I like to think of the attitude of growth as kind of like buckets. Like we have these little plant pots, right? If you have like a, a pot inside your house, mm-hmm. at some point, most of those pot plants, you have to repot into something bigger, right? They, yeah. grow, they outgrow what they're in. Uh, the attitude of growth is similar to that. It's like that process of like our little plant outgrowing the container that we've given it. And then we have to move it into something bigger, mm-hmm. right? And so we'll hit these milestones in our businesses and, and in life. And there's certain um, number amounts that we'll start hitting and then we start having resistance, right? And problems. So the attitude growth talks about really just like, how do we grow from one bucket to the next? And are we okay? Like sometimes we're going to grow to a certain point and we're going to be happy just mm-hmm. like a plant, right? We're going to be totally happy. It's not about making millions of dollars for everybody. Some people want to, yeah. Um, but it's just being happy where we're at and with what, what we've really grown into. Mm-hmm. And then we start hitting resistance at some point, right? If we want to grow bigger, we'll find kind of, kind of some of those resistance points. And it's like, okay, it's being conscious of saying, Hey, now we're, you know, like, let's say the $80,000 mark, right. And we want to hit a hundred thousand. So there's some resistances that come up. Yeah. So it's like, how do we get from one place to the next? So um, I like the attitude of growth because it's not just a, sometimes it's an internal growth piece. Sometimes we have to grow internally, mm. right. We have to work on mindset. We have to work on maybe daily habits. We have to work on different things will help us get us there. But sometimes there's actual outside influences too, that will limit us. And so we got to kind of pay attention to those and, and, and move past those as we need to using our mindset tools, using coaches, using, you know, different resources that we have. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So what would be the second attitude that you need to work so, on? So the second one is consistency. Okay. And that's what I really like because, you know, there's tons of people, um, like one book that's kind of popular right now is James Clear's, um, atomic habits, right? Yes. Creating I've habits. heard about it. Yeah. Create habits, right? And so it's really just about being consistent in what we're doing in, in actions that we're taking um, in our morning rituals and our morning routines, things like mm. that. Um, 
you know, perfect example of this is I have, um, on occasion, I, I have some problems with my skin on my hand and I have never been able to figure out what it is, mm. but I know the treatment for it. And I've been to a dermatologist and he says, you know, put this steroid cream on it and this really crazy stuff, but he can't figure it out either. So at one point in time, five years ago on my index finger, I actually almost lost my fingernail because of the condition was so bad. Wow. Okay. Um, but what I knew was the doctor gave me a regime to follow. And if I followed it consistently, right, then my finger got better and eventually it did. Right. Mm. Um, so it's like things all over in our lives. Like if we consistently work out, if we train the same muscles, right, then they start to get stronger. Yeah. The same thing with money. If we, if we talk to our money, if we journal our money, if we, if we use our tools around money, then we'll start to build a better relationship with it. Mm -hmm. Right. Just like with people. But if we like forget about it and we stop doing those things, then, you know, like our muscles, they atrophy and and then we got to start all over again. Mm -hmm. So being consistent is super important. Um, it also builds a huge trust factor with not only ourselves, but with also money and other relationships we have. Mm-hmm. If we can show up for ourselves, it helps us understand that, you know, when things get hard, we can still show up for ourselves. Yep. So consistency is super important because it's going to build all those really cool habits that are going to help us move forward and help us move forward, especially when things get tough. Yep. That I completely agree. I think consistency has, is the key. And in whatever endeavor you do, you have to be consistent. Otherwise, you know, if that's where, you know, consistency and perseverance both combined together. Otherwise you can't, um, you can't take anything, be it a job, by the way, be it, be a corporate job or studies or um, as a, a online entrepreneur, it's just entrepreneur in general, you have to be consistent yeah. uh, in the face and sometimes in the face of adversity, sometimes in the face of obstacles, you have to be consistent. And I love your yeah. example of the hand, because even though your hand got worse, you knew the only way it would get better would be for you to continue with the regime on a daily basis. And that's the only way it got better and it got better. And then it happened again, like a month ago. And so they got to work on it again. Right. <laughs> thankfully on the, on the, on that, mo- on that note, thankfully I figured out what it was and apparently I'm allergic to wheat. So oh, okay. if it out, then it doesn't have a problem. So, you know, <laughs> at least that, that was some, there was some benefit in that, isn't it? Completely. <laughs> there is. Oh my God. But I think, I think going back to the consistency conversation, it's, you know, life lessons that our bodies teach us, right. It, yes. It's important that I started paying attention to what I needed to be consistent about, right? Because mm-hmm. we don't need to be consistent with everything. We'll get a thousand different tools from a, a hundred different coaches, you know, and see all these things online. People say, you have to do it this way. You have to do it this way. I think it's important to find what works for us and then double down on that method, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because there are too, there's too many voices. And if we listen to them all, then we're going to be running around not being very consistent with anything because we have too many things to do. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's where I think there are, I don't believe, I don't, I don't believe there is such thing as competition. I think this is where, my thoughts are not every single person is going to resonate with me mm-hmm. and um, and not every, person, every single person is going to resonate with you. And there will be people who think I, I, you know, what I say is amazing, but they just don't resonate with my tools. And there are people who think you're amazing and they just won't resonate with your tools. They probably resonate with some third person and that's absolutely fine. So you need to find somebody who they may sound great, but if your, if your internal energy is not saying, yeah, I think this person's my coach, this person can help me. Go find the other person. They don't have to work with you and I. It may be the fact they do find you and I, but it, it's that there's more than enough people out there who can help you, but you need to focus on listening to that one voice, which is, yeah, that's the, that's my person. That's my mentor. And I, I know because we, we've got you and I have gone through so many mentors ourselves. There are plenty of people out there who are amazing, but they're just not for you. And I, I remember this, I can say this for him because I think he's so big. Tony Robbins, I, I started off my journey with listening to him. I can't, I don't resonate with him at all. I think he's amazing, but I, I, I can't stand in the room, stay in the room with him. I just can't. Whereas Brock Puckner, I love. So it, 
you know, they 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 they, they would talk about the same things, but I resonate with one. And I think this is where you're right. You have to be listening to the right people and following their advice consistently. You can't be jumping, okay, Gul said this, let me do this for now. Joe said this, let me do this for next two days. Somebody else comes up and says, oh, let me do that for another. This is the shining, you know, the new shining object syndrome that people have. Yep, and yep. they keep jumping, 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 and they never get consistent results. Yep, yep. And then like, oh, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. That doesn't work. Well, no, you just got to be consistent with what they're teaching. Lots yeah. of, and I love like you call that out, right? And that's that's one reason why it was really cool to come be on your show is because mm-hmm. we teach really similar things. Yeah. But I know that too, like, I don't have the market on this. And, you know, some people might resonate with me, they might resonate with you, they might resonate with somebody else. Yeah, yeah there's um, other people out there as well. And it's great to have those conversations. And we can yeah. also all learn from each other. I was so excited to have you on there because I can learn from you and vice versa. So that's the whole point of growth, which is great. Yep. So, okay, that's second uh, attitude. So what's the third attitude? Third attitude is boundaries. And I love this conversation. I don't think enough people are talking about this. Um it's really hard to find good resources on boundaries out there, right? There's a lot of uh, psychotherapists that talk about boundaries and, and talk about it. Um, but when, if you look like outside literature, talking like books and things, there's very few books out there that talk boundaries hmm. and talk, and each, even talk about it in a healthy way. But boundaries are so much fun because we all have very poor boundaries. Hmm. Like I know, you know, even from a child and I started looking at like, I'm not a parent, but I, I look at how parents teach their kids that they can't have space and boundaries. Mm. And it floors me sometimes. I'm like, if you knew what you were doing to your children, you probably wouldn't be doing it. Mm. But we have this societal kind of thought process that tells us that our kids have to share things they have, um, especially in, in, our, in my family culture, right? It's like, everybody's got to give hugs when people show up like aunts and uncles. And like, they just continue to, you know, teach kids that they don't have their own space. And then we grow up as adults. And then what do we feel like? Well, we just have to like let people walk all over. So we have to say yes to everybody. Mm-hmm. The corporate world definitely says that, you know, they're looking mostly for yes people, right? Yeah, of course. That's, that's the corporation. That's the corporate right? world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just like, you can't say no. And it's like, yeah. well, you really can. So I love talking about boundaries because we do a lot of things based on money mm-hmm. um, that are outside of our boundaries, but we do them because of money, mm-hmm. right? And we start, you know, we, we might stretch our our values. We might... In some cases, people will kind of push against their own ethics, right? To kind of go outside because we have this drive to be like, hey, I have to make the, if we're, especially we're in a situation where we have to make the bills kind of, you know, come in and if we're we're feeling cash strapped, then we'll start going outside those Mm. Um, or we're trying to be nice. So when people show up that haven't been in our lives for a while, then we'll give them too much time and energy, right? And then at the end of the day, what happens is we feel drained. We don't have the energy to even do stuff for ourselves. Mm. We don't have the energy to take care of the, you know, the household things we need to do and, and those responsibilities we have. Yeah. So if we start to kind of push back and say, no, this is my space. And now I'm going to choose who gets how much of my time and energy. Um, then we can start setting up kind of these really nice boundaries that allow us to be more free than how we were before. I know and it's how- kind of like, counter kind of thought right people say oh if you set up boundaries then you're going to be restricting i'm like well actually creates a lot of freedom in your life and i and i I completely agree with that i think i read somewhere a while ago i can't remember i wish i could give credit to the book i read so much i forget the author's names um (laughs) but there's one book i read and he and i remember he was talking about boundaries and he said if you're a yes person the best way and by the way i apply this to uh, this methodology and it works if someone asks us to do something always say no and yeah. it sounds really bizarre, but it's always say no first and then think about it. If you really want to do it, say yes. They will always say, they all understand. But if you say yes and they say no, it's always offended. So it's teaching yourself, okay, I'm going to say no. 
And it's hard, by the way, if you if you're very used to yes. complying and people pleasing, which I was in previous you know previous lifetime, <laughs> you feel weird saying no. Now my first reaction is no, <laughs> no. And then if they insist or whatever, I said let me think about it, and I'll say think about it. And if I really want to, I'll do it. And that is also not just with my time, but my energy, my space, and my um, my money, because I I'm not going to waste my money either. And it really works. And people, I think family members especially can take you for granted when it comes to money. Whereas I never have that issue because I'm normally going to say no anyway. I'm like, no. <laughs> uh, my next reaction is no, I'm not stingy with me, but I always say no in my head. Even if I say, oh, let me think about it. But now I don't say no out loud, but in my mind, I'm like, no. And then I'm thinking about it. And then you can come back. And that's that's one of the things we need to learn. I mean, how, how would you approach boundaries with money? How would you, you know, place boundaries, the attitude towards boundaries? How would you relate it to money? Really, it's the same way you do. Like, uh, it's just saying no to everything up front and then picking and choosing what you, what feeds your passion, right? Yeah. What is it you're trying to do? What is it that, that you really want to accomplish? And then look at that and you can say yes to some of those things. Mm. And, and having that really good boundary, because like you say, you start getting used to saying, and it's not even just about money, but it's about your time and energy as well. It's time right? and energy as well, yeah. Because if you don't have time to work on your business or or even go have fun, then how can you fill yourself back in mm-hmm. if you're always saying yes to other people? So I always tell people like when I when I, I teach a boundaries exercise and I'm like, listen, the first thing you have to do is say yes to you. You can be selfish. Like everything has to revolve around you for a little while. Mm-hmm. And you have to say no to everybody else and then see where people start falling and if they show up or if they get angry and what's their reaction to you saying no. And like you said earlier, right? It's really hard to do. Really we, hard, we, yeah. We want to say yes to people. Um, and we want people to be happy. We don't want people to be upset with us. Like we think we're going to offend people or upset people by saying no. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and in some cases I'm like, okay, if somebody shows up in your life, you know, part of that boundary exercise, if somebody shows up in your life, see like, you know, even if you have time open, say, you know, Hey, I can't meet with you until next week. Hmm. Put them off. Right. And is, if it's urgent enough, they'll say, okay, if it's not, then they'll be like, they'll find something else. Yeah. We say yes so much to other people's emergencies because we're like, Oh, I got to help them. But is it really benefiting us? Yeah. Right. And it's not saying when there's a real emergency, don't help people, but there's too many things that show up in our lives that are emer- that we think are emergencies that really aren't. Oh, I, I I love that. I think, and I think that one book, I wish I could remember the author's name. I took that to heart so much that I don't like people calling me, including family members and uh, people. I want people to message me first because I do that. I you know, message first, say, are you free? And then call. And I find it very disrespectful to somebody to just pick up the phone and call me. Now, in my culture, people don't do that. They forget the calling. They used to come, just they just turn up knocking on the door without asking, right? <laughs> and I'm so formal. Apparently, I'm very English in that respect. I'm like, no, you're supposed to give me a message. And I'll, if I can't, if I'm free, I'll say, yeah, yeah, you can drop a call. But I could be in the middle of a task doing something. I don't appreciate unexpected calls. <laughs> to that point, so my family thinks I'm very formal and very rigid. But I don't think so. I think that's me respecting my boundaries. If a friend wants to meet up, I'll say, yeah, I would love to meet up. How about next week? Da, 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 da. Give a few options. But it's never that week because I just I just don't have, I I don't like last minute things. I like to have my time to do things, the work that I've got planned. I don't like rearranging it or whatever. If I, were, if I may have an open slot, but then that's an open slot for me to just chill and relax and watch maybe Netflix or something. Why You're don't right? want to? Yeah, so you need, you need to respect your time, even if it's so-called free, on your diary, you need to respect your time. And then what, what you'll find is over time, people will start respecting your time too. Mm-hmm. Because they'll say, okay, she is busy. So nobody calls me now because they know, oh, she might be called and whatever. 
that's and it's they're respecting my time because I respect it. Nobody yeah. gets angry, upset. Anybody who's going to get angry, upset, they won't bother talking to me anyway. Because when I talk, I'm very sweet and very lovely. But I do. I wouldn't do that to them. So what? They, I don't let them do it to me. But you have to lower those boundaries. You have to enforce those boundaries also. Yep. Because if you don't do it for you, who's going to do it for you? Nobody. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? I, on this, the one of the biggest lessons I ever learned was um, so me and my wife uh, were from Utah mm-hmm. in, in the United States, and we moved across the country for a job opportunity. So we're and all of our families in Utah. Right. So we lived out there for a few years and then moved back to Utah. Uh, and, when, and my dad's a huge Saturday project guy. Like mm-hmm. there's always projects going on and he always wants help. That's how growing up was. And, and I got so burnt out from doing like yard work and all these projects. So when we moved back, you know, it kind of like, oh, Joe's back now. Now he can be a, another member in these projects that are happening. And I'm like, cool, my life's busy. So here's the deal. If you need my help, you got to let me know two weeks in advance. Mm-hmm. If you can plan that out, that's cool. If not, then I can't help you. Hmm. And they would call sometimes and I would have my complete schedule open and I'd still say, well, no, sorry, I can't help today. Right. I didn't get the notice. Right. So I had to retrain them how to interact with me. And it's really cool. They quit calling me for projects. I mean, it was a win-win for me because I'm like, (laughs) I don't have to do it. Right. But now, and and when they want my help, then they'll plan it out. Yeah. And obviously, like I said earlier, right. If it's a real emergency, like there's, you know, some real emergencies they'll call and they'll know I'll come help. Um, you know, like the basement got flooded that we need extra hands. Cool. I'll go help with that because that's not something that can wait. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is just like bringing it back and saying, this is my time. And if you're going to schedule it, then I'm going to agree to it because it's on my terms. Um, a lot of people say, well, that's very selfish. And I'm like, no, that's actually very self-helpful, right? And us really helping ourselves and, and understanding how we can have a healthy relationship with ourselves and others. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what, what people miss the point is, when people give too much, and I was in the past like this, you become resentful to those people and actually it destroys your relationship. I have a very healthy relationship with all people around me because I don't let them overstep the boundaries. And if someone does, I will very, very respectfully explain that to them and um, that this is not what I want. And this is, you know, this is these are my boundaries and you know, whatever. And they may get offended for that short period of time, but then they know how to interact with me. Whereas if that if we if I kept complying to their terms and doing what they want in a few years down the line or even a few months down the line I'll become very resentful to them and it may end up being the entire relationship we I have an outburst or whatever and people do that that's how the relationships break down yep. um, and then they they no longer speak for another few months or years or so forth especially within family whereas if you lay down boundaries with your time and money and money is something that is unfortunately is a topic that people do need to address in families as well not so much with yes. friends so much but with families especially you need to have boundaries with your money to what you can do for whom and how and stick to those boundaries. So people don't have these unnecessary expectations from you because if the more that you give, the more the expectations that you will give. And then that's when you are sabotaging your money as well as your relationship with people. No. Yeah, it's very true. You know, one thing that you brought up was kind of that you, you become resentful piece. Mm-hmm. I always, I call I call that the kind of toleration zone, right? Cause we have our boundaries and I think yeah. of them kind of like a in zones we have our boundaries we set up. And, and once we pass that, then we kind of end up in a toleration zone where we start to tolerate that relationship. Yeah. And at some point, like you called out, right? At some point at the end, one or two things are going to happen. We're going to burn out or we're going to blow up. Yeah. And most of us blow up, right? And those relationships Mostly blow up. Yeah. And, and then they just go away. And it's like, wait a minute, like if we had better boundaries, this, this relationship could have been very helpful, very mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. But because we didn't and we we're afraid to, to hurt them or, you know, feel like we were putting undue burden on them because we want to hold our boundaries, then we should enter that toleration zone. And at some point we just give up and we're like, hey, listen, I have no more energy. I can't deal with this anymore. 
and we're just going to burn it all down and walk away. So yeah. it's fascinating to watch as people start to do that. So that's why I love talking about boundaries. And like you said, you know, around money, like a lot of people lend money to their families. A lot of them do. Yeah. Um, like a long time ago, um, I took um, a course uh, through Dave Ramsey, mm-hmm. right? And of all the things that I learned and some things I like, some things I don't like, one thing that I always held true, I mean, my wife still um, honor this today is, you know, he was kind of like, don't, you know, don't lend people money, mm. um, you know, give it to them. Mm. Right. And I looked at that and I'm like, interesting thought, like way back then. And now as I understand way more about money, I'm like, it makes sense. Right. So we do, well, I would say I never loan money to the family ever. Mm. Right. Because that can cause some weird boundaries and some yeah. weird like relationship problems. But if my family members are in need, they know they can come ask me. And if I have the money, I will give it to them. Mm. The difference being that I don't ever expect that to be paid back. Yeah. Now, sometimes they do. And I'm like, that's cool. That's a cool surprise. But I never give more than I'm willing to just let out. Exactly. And, and exactly. Be gone, right. Yeah. I don't Because you give I don't it. You're, not, you're loaning. You're, you're giving. Yeah. Yeah. So I give it to them. And it's never more than, than you know, like I said, it will burden ourselves and on our financial situation. Hmm. So if it's like, Hey, you know, they're coming for like a thousand dollars. I'm like, listen, I got 500. I can part with, will that work? Hmm. They never say no. Like they're always helpful. They're like, cause that will help improve their situation. Of course. Of course. But you know, looking at that and having that boundary and just having that mindset around like, you know, let's not make the relationship harder than it needs to be because yeah. relationships are already hard enough. Of course. So, of course. You know, so that's so. boundaries. What's number four? Number four is uh, what I call the attitude of command. Uh, the attitude mm-hmm. of command is pretty simple. When I think of like a war general, um, nobody ever questions his motives. They just do what he says, mm. right? Uh, the other perfect example is I always use kind of like the Queen of England, right? Tea time's good, like important over there, right? So yeah. nobody, she's never going to question whether her tea is going to show up when she wants it, mm. right? She just has this, this presence about her to be like, hey, this is the schedule. This is what it says. This is the time. It just shows up. Um, so I love talking about the attitude of command because it's really about us just having that relationship with money where it shows up when we want it to, mm. right? And it's a shift for people because they're like, oh, maybe I got to do all these different things. And it's like, if you are the real leader of your own destiny, right? And we mm. all are, then when you want things to be where they, where you want them to be, then they'll be there. Or we don't trust ourselves, right? That's kind of a little bit with consistency where we start to not trust ourselves. We're like, I don't know, will people listen to me? And we start to have that breakdown. Mm. If we can start to supersede that breakdown and, and that that kind of mental blocks that get in our way about us really wanting what we want mm. and having it show up, then um, it's kind of a fun exercise. And I have a couple of clients where this works really good in their lives, right? A lot of people will kind of sometimes in, in other terms, will kind of mix this in with like the, the manifestation powers that people have. Mm. It's very similar, right? They don't ever, the people who are really uh, strong at manifestation won't ever question whether it will just show up. It just does. They're like, hey, I need this. And then pretty soon someone calls them or something shows up in their life. Mm. I don't know if you know anybody like that. I know I have a few people in my life that are like that. And I'm like, I want your gift because it's <laughs> super crazy. And, and like everything they ever want is just like it shows up. I'm like, you guys are limiting yourself way too much by, yeah. by this power, right? I mean, obviously they're good people. They're not going to use it for nefarious reasons. Um, but it, it's kind of fun to kind of play with them. Mm. Like, okay, what do you really need next? Okay, cool. Let's, you know, express it. And then it just shows up and it, it floors me all the time. Like, I'm like, that's cool. But anyways, that's the attitude of command. Just really us being more in command of where we're at and, and asking for things and not having kind of getting rid of that doubt of whether it's going to show up, but just that it right. does. So, now, it, so the, it's, it's similar to what I talk about in terms of faith. So when you just say, yeah, you have the expectations going to show up. And when you let go of, um, and there's a law for uh, non-resistance, 
when you stop resisting what you want, it shows up pretty much. And I think somehow these people that you're referring to, and I see plenty of those around me because this is the kind of thing that I talk about. When you stop resisting what you want and you become like water, you just in a flow, you literally just flow through life. Things start happening for you. And the reason why I use water, because I find water is the most powerful element in the world. And it, it's so non-resistant. It will go through a rock, it go over a rock, it go around. It never changes its direction. It will just change its movement. And it never says, oh no, there's a rock in the way. It goes, okay, I'm going to carry on going. And it carries and flowing and carries and flowing. And to the extent that over time, that rock is smoothed out and it actually becomes smoother than, than the, the edges. The rough edges get smoother, but water doesn't change its behavior. Everything around it has to. And yeah. through the power of being non-resistant, it doesn't. It doesn't say, "Oh my God, there's a rock in the way. What am I going to do? Okay, <laughs> I'll find a way. I'll just go around it. I'll go under it. I'll find a way." And that's how we need to be. So this is why I definitely agree. It's. It's. I think it's the same thing, but it's a phrase different. But I love how you phrase it. Um, the um, attitude of commands. Just command it. Do it. Expect it to be done, and it's done. <laughs> no, do it no question. Just go, right. Yeah. I exactly. Mean, less energy spent. So that's Fantastic. attitude, man. Um, I think. It, last- I think. Yeah, that thing that's really, really important. So what num- what's number five then? Number five is the attitude of accomplishment. Okay. And this is something I see so many people struggle with. And that's why I'd like to call it out, right? Yeah. Um, because again, nobody's going to celebrate us unless we celebrate ourselves. Of course. And that's kind of the whole, mm-hmm. that, that's the whole piece around, you know, the attitude of accomplishment. I think too many of us were taught as children. I know I was, right? That you can't kind of, they think it's boastful if you like celebrate your accomplishments. Yes. Like, yes. Right? It's like your mom's like, be quiet. You can't say that. You can't, like people can't see you for who you are. And I'm like, as an adult, that makes no sense to me. Yeah. So just really celebrating what you've done. And, and you know, for depending on where people are at, sometimes it's, you know, a journaling exercise, of like a gratitude journal at the end of the night, say, hey, what am I grateful for today? Yeah. Right. What did I accomplish that I can like be like, hey, this is pretty cool. Even if it was just like folding the laundry, sometimes that's a win for the day. <laughs> Trust me, in my household, folding the laundry is a win for the day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my days. But yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree. I think we have to celebrate our own successes. And it's funny, we are not taught as children to focus on everything we're good at. We're focused on, from a young age, to focus on all the things we're not good at and what we mm-hmm. need to improve. You remember that, remember you would you write an essay or something, or you do a, a math test or something, and all your wrong answers would be highlighted in red. Like this yep. is wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. So in a 40 question paper, you probably got five wrong, but all you could see was the five wrong. You didn't emphasize the fact that you got 35 correct, Yep. Five, just those five you didn't, right? Yeah. And that's that's always been throughout our life, isn't it? We focus on everything wrong with our life and then not what's positive. And then the people wonder why do we live in misery? Or why are mm-hmm. you know people we're not happy and etc.? Because you've programmed the children to focus on the wrong thing. And yeah. what are they gonna do as adults? And yeah, if, I mean it goes to the adage, right? You know, what you what you focus on, you get more of. Exactly. And then more miserable they are they are, the more focus on being miserable, the more misery they get. Yep. More reasons to be miserable. Hence, 100%. by by mid forties, you know, the midlife crisis. Why does that happen? Because by then, people have ingrained and programmed themselves, literally programmed themselves into, um, you know, into into debt and various things, and they have this in negative chitter chatter, which becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. So they are yep. hitting mid forties, thinking, "What the hell? Where am I done? What have I accomplished? Nothing. I'm a miserable. <laughs> I'm a loser." <laughs> it's <laughs> so true. It's so true. And if we just take a moment to celebrate, right? I was watching this YouTube video that's like the culmination of like what I love this. And it's a, a guy playing in a park. And I don't even know where, um, somewhere in Europe. 
I forget which country's in, but he has, I don't know if you've seen on YouTube for a while, it was kind of popular as it started coming out, but these guys have like this PVC pipe and they have like the flat paddles they, they punch in it. It's kind of like, almost like an analog electric music. It's okay. kind of, they're really cool, right? Mm-hmm. So they're not drums, but if you're taking a pipe and like pop your hand. But anyway, so I'm looking at that and he's got all these people around, right? He's in a park and people are dropping money and like a little hat he has out there and all these people and he ends his set. So he's like done. Hmm. and it's just quiet and we're outside and people are, but there's this ring and, and, and all he does is he claps twice for himself and then everybody else starts clapping. And there's like this big, like, you know, whistling and clapping and everybody's happy. And he's like, okay, cool. But I look at that and I'm like, if he hadn't clapped for himself for what he yep. did, yeah, everybody would just been like, that was cool. And probably just dispersed when he quit playing. Yeah. Right. So I, I liken that to us. Like we have to celebrate as awkward and as uncomfortable as that can feel sometimes we have to celebrate because when we give ourselves permission to celebrate, then other people can celebrate us as well. I, I absolutely agree. I mean, I've literally, as I mentioned, I've launched my book and within 24 hours, we hit number one in Amazon.com. And I took a screenshot of this and my normal old self was like, oh, I shouldn't really be talking about it now. I'm like, oh, well, I'm telling the whole world I've done this. I'm super excited. So I put it on Facebook. I put it on Instagram. We put it over there. I put it on WhatsApp. And I was like, screenshot of my voice. Look what I've done. I'm so happy. That is celebrating. Now, I think the normal people think, oh, she's being very boastful. But you and I understand that's me celebrating something that I've worked three years for. Yeah. And it's me saying, universe, look, I appreciate you giving this to me. I'm celebrating. I'm happy. And I'm being proud of myself. Now, there'll be some people think, oh, what does she think she is? And exactly for this, you know, the, the attitude we have, she's being boastful. But there'll be plenty of others think, oh, she can do it. She's done it. I can do it too. I mean, that's her dream. We don't have to all be authors. They can right. do whatever they want to do. And especially me because I'm dyslexic. So she's a dyslexic and she's, you know, becoming best-selling author. What can I do? What do I want to do? And it gives them permission to go and seek their dreams. But if I just said them like, yeah, it, you know, being English, by the way, we're supposed to be very modest. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> very, um, I'm very excited about it. It's, you know, I'm like, I know, I'm going to skip up top of my lungs. I'm happy. But we're not taught English are very English are very conservative. We're not supposed to, you know, be talking about money or be talking about, you know, things that really excite us. We need to be very subdued and calm. It doesn't work that way in real life. You need to celebrate yourself. And not from an egotistical point of view, but from self-love point of view. I love Gould that you that I worked, you know, you worked so hard. You were talking to the third person. My, my daughter finds her really weird. I talk to myself in the third person, but that's how I talk to myself. <laughs> um, you know, Gould, you worked really hard. I'm really proud of you, you know, and you deserve these accolades. You deserve this. This is hard work paying off, not because something randomly happened. You've put three years working, especially the last three months have been crazy. All your hard work has paid off. Well done. That's my way of celebrating myself. Whereas come a few years ago, I would have shied away from even mentioning the fact that my book's out because that's how we're taught. We don't celebrate yeah. our wins. We se- we have you noticed people get together and they talk about their things wrong in their life? Yes, all the time. And it's like, why do you guys want that energy hanging about you? Like, it's just, yeah. And I like that you call it, you know, yeah. but it's like celebrating from a non-egotistical perspective. Because right? I think our intentions of why we're celebrating is the most important thing. Yes. We want people course. to celebrate with us or do we want to like show how awesome and, and that we're better than you, right? Because there are yeah. some people who want that. And it's like, no, nah, that's not what I'm talking about, no. right? No. I just want no. people to celebrate with me because like you were saying, like we accomplished these things and it's like, it took a lot of hard work and effort for you to publish your book. A lot like, of let hard people work. celebrate, yeah. let people know. Yeah. Because if you don't tell them, how are they going to know? Exactly. And this is why I, I, I come from the energy that I came from, come from is, the reason I talk about my struggles and aspects of my life is so people know 
this wasn't like an overnight success. I bloody like <laughs> my, you know, my backside <laughs> off for it. And I've been through the grunt. I've been through the you know, the peaks and troughs and whatever else you you know what the, the roller coaster life that you live as an entrepreneur. Yeah, I've had that. You know, up and down and squiggly weird, whatever. And you know, people think is this is success. We, you, you and I both know it's like this. Yeah, it's like all over the place. <laughs> um, and people, there are others who are looking for inspiration from you and I, who who supposedly have made it. We're still we're still work in progress, but they think we've made it. We need to celebrate and explain why we're so proud. So I, I'm dyslexic. I'm so very dyslexic. And I wear that like a badge of honor. Like I am dyslexic and I'm not ashamed of it. I'm actually very proud of it because it's allowed me to be where I am. It just means I have to work 10 times harder, but who cares? You know, I can still do it. This is something that people need to learn that they, even if they have so-called shortcomings or um, things which are not um, beneficial to them, they can use it to you know, even, even be more proud of their success. So when I found I'm dyslexic, I was in the first year of my law degree. I'm qualified as a lawyer in three jurisdictions. I talk about that so proudly, the fact that I am dyslexic. And imagine the amount of material we used to read in law. Can you imagine the amount of stuff I used to read in law, right? <laughs> I chose the right profession, didn't I? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's amazing, though, that you lived your whole life without knowing that. Oh, that's that's another story one at the time. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, I only found out, and not just dyslexic, I'm severely dyslexic in the first year of my law degree. But can you imagine that you know the 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 people are like really because everyone knows how much you have to read in law it's just yeah, crazy right. that's the whole thing right <laughs> yeah that's the whole point um, but the fact that I was able to qualify not just one three jurisdictions and quite quite high prestigious ones it shows hard work perseverance pays off and if I can do it you can do it that's being a lawyer may not be your dream but you can go out and accomplish anything doesn't matter what so-called shortcomings or what obstacles may be in your path you can this is something that we need to teach ourselves and our children and people around us wouldn't you say yeah 100 like i've had clients sign up with me before because they're like i heard your story you've been where i'm at and i know like you're not there anymore so i know there's light at the end of the tunnel like there's there's something else yeah. and i'm like who would ever thought like you know our, our story about like being completely broke and still making a bunch of money and like my wife's ptsd and all that would really be inspirational for other people, but yeah. they, they hear it and they're like, Oh, that must've been a hard life. And I'm like, I mean, there's been some hard parts, you know, we've, we've just figured it out and, and made life do and, and, you know, worked through and we can still be successful no matter where we came and what we went through. Exactly. So uh, that's why I love hearing stories. Cause I'm like, cool. If they can do it, then I can do it. That's really what got me started into coaching. Like, honestly, like I used to be the kind of an introvert computer programmer, like, honestly, like I used to like sit, like literally I had a job where I was working remotely. I sat in the basement and just like worked on code all day. I didn't talk to people, right? <laughs> people terrified me. <laughs> what a it, it's true, right? People say, I said, if you would, and that only happened in the last seven years, right? Wow. And, and when I taught my first like live class, right? It was to three people and it was so bad. I wish, I really wish I had it recorded so I could show people now, like how bad it was. It was horrible. Anyways. Um, but you, no, but that, so that's your success, isn't it? If we're going from one extreme, to to where now you have to communicate to people all around yeah. the world and you're you're here as a guest on a podcast yeah and, and people don't scare me right so i say you know if you can go from there to here it's like anybody can do it and that's what really got my brain thinking right i saw somebody that was speaking one time i'm like they're speaking about this and i'm starting to become more passionate about helping people if they can do it i can do it like how are we so different than that like was i not born with the speaking gene like it's not possible <laughs> Right. I just like, I, I need to be quiet my whole life. So it's just kind of that, like that, my transformation. Right. So kind of that same thing. Like if I see people who can do it, I'm like, cool, let's see. Like it might take more work from me. That's cool. I'm okay with that. Yeah. But what's possible. Anything's possible. We just got to go after. 
Absolutely. And I love that. I love that. Okay, so let's do a quick recap. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a recap for you. So the attitudes of money that we've spoken about today, the very first attitude is attitude of growth. The second was attitude of consistency, third was attitude of boundaries, fourth was attitude of command, and lastly was attitude of accomplishment. Is that correct? Yep. Those are the 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 base five that I always like to talk about. Fabulous, fabulous. So this has been a really, it's been actually longer than normal podcast because we had a really interesting conversation and I knew it would be, we'd have a very interesting conversation, which is great. So tell us, Joe, where can we find you and where can we connect with you on the internet? Um, and the best place uh, to find me is uh, at my website. Um, you can go to www.josephmburns.com. Uh, I, I have all the newest things I'm doing on there. So uh, right now you can download uh, the rest of the attitudes, if you want, um, there's a link on there where you can click on that and you can get the other five and do take a little survey to figure out which one you're you're uh, really most efficient with, I guess mm-hmm. the best way to say it. Um, uh, and then the best place other than that is I, I am on Facebook or LinkedIn and all that's on my website. You can watch. I also have a YouTube channel that I post a weekly video to. So if you want to learn more about any of these attitudes, I have some channels on there where you can go click on them and, and find some different explanations of different ways of, of how I've talked about it. So wonderful wonderful and for those listening on uh, on the podcast these the links that joe has men- just mentioned his website and so forth they'll be all in the show notes and if you're watching this on youtube down below in the description section you'll have his links also so do go check him out he's amazing he's my brother from another mother he's gorgeous and um he talks about money like i do and he's passionate about money but he obviously talks about from different perspectives but obviously i think there is lots of overlap I just, as today's discussion um, highlighted. So do go check him out. He's fabulous. Thank you so much, Joe, for being an amazing guest. I think we need to have you back. I, need to, I think we need to have another conversation. I'm enjoying this too much. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm digging This has been like one of the, honestly, one of the best ones I've been on goals. So I appreciate it. We, we, uh, we really enjoyed that conversation because we both, we both love talking about money. So, hey. Yeah, it's, we it's have hard to, to find that. <laughs> <laughs> we have to have you back, Joe. Absolutely, we will. Thank you so much for being a guest today. For those watching, thank you so much for joining me and Joe today on Money Talkie segment. I will be back on another Money Talkie segment speaking to another amazing individual who can teach us a few tips and two techniques to build our businesses so we can become better entrepreneurs. Until the next time we meet, this is Gul Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website www.gulkhan.com and if you want to take part in our five-day abundance mindset makeover workshop where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance then please go to www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in the next workshop and if you want to learn about the spiritual laws of money then go and get my book Laws of Money from www.lawsofmoney.com. Until the next time we meet, this is Gul Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now.